1: What's up, everybody? Good morning. Today is Tuesday, December. Oh my gosh, it's December nineteenth. It's almost Christmas time if we celebrate it. I am super stoked today about today's show. I've got my man Marty Norman coming in from Indiana today. This is going to be absolutely terrific, guys. I cannot wait. Um, Thank you guys so much for joining us. This is going to be fantastic. So a little background, and I. Jump the gun. I always start a little bit early, but um, look, this is—I'm very, very choosy about who I want on this show because one, I want entertaining people, and I want people to bring you guys value. I don't want to waste any time, um, and I don't want to waste any of your time. So, I mean, like, even if I have nothing to say, like, I don't want to just hang out here and just babble. I want to bring powerful guests on. But Marty, I've been watching for God, I think about six months now. And he brings such passion to trying to, like this, his, his, his relentless nature and saving people from the throes of addiction He's just really, really inspired me. And it, it didn't even have to be addiction. It could just be changing people's lives. Um, I'm so inspired by this guy. It's just raw, unfiltered, just straight to the truth, no BS. And I got to warn you folks, this is probably going to be the first uncensored show I've ever done. Um, not that I've ever censored myself or anybody else, but things may get a little raw. That said, this guy is, a, is just changing people's lives all over the world. I still don't even think that Marty knows the impact that he has on people, but it means the world to me to have him as a guest today. Good morning, Nick Harris. Great to see you. Susan Day, thank you so much for sharing. John Wallace, good to see you, my man. Another guy changing people's lives. All right, guys, let's get this started. It is such a great pleasure for me to introduce the Marty Norman to Morning Gratitude with the mayor. Ladies and gentlemen, let's do this. What's up, Marty Norman?
2: Hey, good morning. Hey, good morning. morning.
1: We're finally doing this, man. We're finally doing it.
2: It's really happening, ain't it?
1: <laughs> How, so how's everything going, man? You doing all right?
2: Today's a good day, man. Today's another blessed, wonderful day, man. I can't complain. Not at all, man.
1: Very cool. Well the first thing that we do on the program with every guest, my man, is we ask, What are you grateful for today?
2: Oh my God. Really? That question.
1: <laughs> it is
2: morning gratitude. <laughs> right. That makes sense, right. Man, today I, I am I am grateful, very grateful for my surrender in this program. And I think that was the key point in my life. When I finally got broke down enough through prisons, institutions, jails, and fear of death, that I finally got broke down enough that everybody cut me off completely, that I was finally able to surrender. That's what I'm grateful for the most right now. Absolutely. That's a beautiful
1: thing to be grateful for, of course.
2: So you're very well known.
1: You have a lot of people that you reach out to on a daily basis. But for the audience that doesn't quite know Marty Norman yet, and believe me, you guys will never forget Marty Norman. And I assure you, you guys want to share this video. What? Who is Marty Norman?
2: Well, that's a a bold question. (laughs) (laughs) Who is Marty Norman? Marty Norman is a... Well, I'm a man in long-term recovery. First off, I want to make that clear. I'm a man in long-term recovery who finally surrendered to a program, who was able to uh, change his life around. But first and foremost, I I want to get down to what I what I really was, you know. Um, and it, it's ultimately is who I become. It's, it's who I am today, you know. I I was a, I'm a horrible father. That's who I am. I um, I'm a criminal. Uh I was selfish, self-centered, and I didn't give a shit about anybody or anything other than myself. And I did this at a subconscious level, Um, very abusive, very violent, very, uh, you know, I I was a junkie, you know, I was homeless, I was a low-bottom drunk, and, you know, I spent a lot of time in jails and prisons. I watched my my watched daughter her, grow my up behind glass, behind glass, and glass letters and, and pictures. Um, um, you know, and, uh, and all all and of that ultimately led me to the point where I'm got a lot of echo. Got a lot of echo there. going
1: on here. Yeah, turn down a little bit.
2: You know, but that's who you I know, was, but that's man. who I was, man. Oh, it's really hard to, no, do, that really hard that to echo. do that with that echo. Is it really bad? Yeah, it's really bad. Yeah, it's really your, bad. You got your spurt down? You got your Let me try to take my headphones head head out. Head okay. mm. <laughs> How about now? How about now? Yeah, you sound good to me, man. Horrible. 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 I think. Let me hear Let you. Let me hear you.
1: Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Nick. Good morning, Maya. Uh, Roxy, good to see you. Alev, good to see you. Nick, Renette, good to see you guys. Roxy, great to see you. I, right, I, really Rob,
2: I guess we'll just roll with it, then. Okay. Can you hear me good? Yeah, I can hear you
0: great.
2: Basically, that's who I was, man. and That's where I was at in my life, and this ultimately made me who I am today. Today, I am a, a very, very compassionate, confident um, outspoken in your face raw i love my 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 every day i have a purpose and that's what i'm about every day i wake up every morning and i have a purpose of what i want to do with my life and what i how i want to help other people do with their lives you know what i mean I, I i work in outreach i work for an amazing facility all in solutions we uh i do outreach across the country like you said i help um uh, so many people every day try to get into, uh, detoxes and treatment centers. Um, I help, I, you know, you know what I get, I get, you know what I get off on the most is when somebody, and this happens almost daily, somebody reaches out to me and they say, Hey Marty, you know, I was getting ready to go buy, um, I was getting ready to, go, I was getting ready to relapse or I was getting ready to go buy a bag of dope and I caught one of your videos, man. And I decided to go to, to a meeting instead or, or Hey man, I'm at the, I'm at the uh, liquor store, man, and I just happened to say, you know, I'm going to watch one of Marty's videos and see what happens, man. And they watch the video, and they call me up, and they say, man, thank you. Thank you. You helped me get through this moment, man. I appreciate you, and that's what I get off on. That's what I love. You know what I mean? I, I am also an owner of a recovery home in Terre Haute, Indiana called the Truman House. Got my Truman boys. I hope they're all on there. I can't see the comments or anything like that from where I'm at, but I hope the guys are on there. They better be on there. Or they're beyond restriction. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, of course. I mean, I'm kidding, I think. Anywho, but yeah, man, I got a, um, you know, I own a recovery home. I was blessed with the opportunity from an amazing woman named Jan to, um, to open this recovery home up to purchase it. And I jumped on it, man. And that's the thing, too, It's like there is absolutely no blueprint for us, man. Me and my brother Brian Kendrick, give it up for Brian Kendrick. If you don't know who Brian Kendrick is, look him up, everybody. He's an amazing soul, a beautiful individual, and he's out here to help one, everybody. He helps me daily. Without without the guys in my corner, the accountability brothers that I keep with me on a daily man, I'll fall short, man. I, I gotta remember that you know that my job with the with the recovery home and, and my outreach that I do, that it's not my recovery. I want to, I want to make that very clear to a lot of people who are taking on um, jobs in the recovery field that this is not your or mine. This is not my recovery. And I've watched many, many people who use their job as their recovery and it just never works. We got to stay grounded. We got to have people in our, in our corner. She's holding that line for us. He won't, co our bullshit. Very clear. Very important. And I got those guys. Brian, <laughs> I got him in my corner. You know, I, got, <laughs> I got my man Paul Hempel. I got so many people. All the guys at the Truman House, Tyson, you name it, man. I got all these guys who are in my life every day holding me accountable. And that's what keeps me... Clean and sober. So, Marty, let me
1: ask you something. When when did you finally get it? When when did you just have enough of just wasting your God given gifts? Because it seemed like your gift to me is so extraordinarily powerful, and I don't think it becomes this powerful without going through all the hell that you went through. But what was the final straw? Like, what was the final? I hate saying rock bottom because I swear to God I hit it six times. I'm so <laughs> like, how much more bottom do you get? But I mean, for you, when when did when were you broken, and, and what made you turn it all around?
2: It's crazy, man, because I, I'm like you too. That rock bottom, I, I I went down to my rock bottom. I took a I took a tent with me and a shovel, and I hung out for many many years at that rock bottom. I started digging a little deeper, you know. Rock bottom wasn't shit for me. I got pretty uh, I got pretty comfortable in rock bottom. You know, I, I was really comfortable being a, a low bottom drunk. I was really comfortable being a junkie uh, and living in the streets. I was real comfortable with prison. I was real comfortable with jail. I I do really well in jail, you know. I get my – I start working out. I feel good. I I get set on a schedule, you know. I'm kind of a habitual kind of guy, you know, and consistency and uh, structure is kind of good for me. I don't know. But (laughs) real point in my life, right, I had done – Several several years in jails and prisons, right? Several years. I got seven felonies, four DUIs. Um, I, I, I forget how many misdemeanors and how many times I've been arrested. Somewhere in the 30 area. You know, I, I'm not really sure, actually, so I can't say, but a lot. Uh, I probably forgot about more arrests than most people would got. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it was – I got into recover I actually stumbled in the doors of recovery at one point and I was I was homeless and broken and living in a trap house you know with with my arms were were beat up I was living on a on a pile of clothes in an abandoned closet with bed bugs cockroaches broken needles bod- just picture a trap house if you will and that's where I was at and I was comfortable there <laughs> I was comfortable okay and I just happened to walk past this uh, recovery home here in Terre Haute. And I would walk by it on, the, you know, just completely miserable on my way to the liquor store. And I'd walk by this every day. And I would see these people out there drinking coffee, laughing, and having a good time. And I, and I hated them. <laughs> I, I hated them, all right? I was like, why are they so damn happy? What, the, You know? But I would go get my bottle, and I'd feel better after about, you know, half the bottle, and I'd, I'd, I'd be happy. So I was like, oh, I could, I could be happy too. What? But anyway, long story short, I stumbled in those rooms at one point, and, um, you know, I, I, I went to four meetings, and a consecutive four meetings, high and nodding out in meetings, and I eventually heard something that somebody said, right? And I wanted what that person said. I wanted what that was in that person's eyes i've seen this moment i've seen this clarity i've seen uh peace and serenity and i was like man i don't know what that is but i want it you know and i eventually moved into this recovery home and i stayed long story short i'm gonna break this all down i stayed 11 months where i was sharing meetings i was talking about that blue book that we what we uh that we use the literature and i was I was talking about sponsorship and i was I got the good job and I got the you know the the girl and we were sponsoring each other, not really, but you know what i mean uh, <laughs> so so you know I got the girl, I got the job I was making big money in a union I was a union cement mason um, I was talking good, and everybody liked me around the tables. Right? They all were. They all were. You know, I, I, everybody wanted to be my friend. I was Mister Popular, and everything was going great. I put a few band aids on, got a nice shower, and, and looked good, dressed good, felt good. You know what I mean? And it was all bullshit. Tim Ryan's on there. Good job. What's up, Tim, brother? How you doing? I can't see the the uh, the messages or nothing like that. But everybody who's on here, man, I appreciate you. I love you. You know, you guys. I love you guys. <laughs> Without you, I am nothing, man. So thank you. Please share it up. Um, but anyway, I was in there for 11 months, right? And I was doing everything but what the elders and around the table suggested that I do. And that's, hey Marty, get a, hey stupid, get a sponsor and work a work a program, right? I didn't I didn't need that? I felt good. I got a good job. Why would I need that? I'm not like you. I'm doing this this time. I'm feeling good. I'm I'm smarter than you guys, right? You feel me? I'm too smart to get a sponsor. I can do this on my own, right? So, uh, (laughs) as you can can imagine, ultimately, uh, life happened, right? I got laid off from my job. A couple of the people hurt my feelings, life's terms, you know what I mean? And then uh, next thing you know, I'm up in my room at the recovery home uh, and, and doing a little sipping, drinking it away. I drank there for two nights. Somebody told on me, thank God, I got kicked out on my ass. And what I had done in this recovery home for 11 months was absolutely nothing. I didn't network outside of the little bubble that I lived in. I didn't uh, seek other people. I didn't have no sponsor. I didn't, you know, I didn't know anybody. So there I am with a backpack because I hadn't acquired anything for some reason. You know, I was working for 11 months, making good money. Hadn't acquired a bank account, for God's sakes. But... There I was walking down the street with a backpack and a cell phone, and I didn't have any numbers. I didn't get any of the numbers. You know how they hand out—you might know how they hand out numbers at at these uh, around these tables that we go to. I didn't need those numbers, so I didn't save them in my phone. So there I am, absolutely nothing. That took me back at a long, hard seven months of uh, complete debauchery. You know, I was then I, I end up leaving Terre Haute, going to Westville, Illinois. Where I knew a few people, uh, there was three or four bar- bars I frequented, and you know people loved me there. I was right back at home, you know, I was back in my comfort zone, and I didn't have I didn't have a job, I, so I was doing things that aren't legal are aren't legal to pay for my drinking. I was dating two or three different bartenders to pay for my drinking. I was couch surfing, sometimes sleeping outside in the little smoke shack that they had a little heater in it was cold as shit out by the way. Uh, You know, and that ultimately, you know, and I was violent, you know, I'm a violent person when I drink, I'm a violent person when I'm not happy with my life. Uh, uh, You know, when I feel ugly inside, I'm going to make everything outside ugly as well. You know, that's just who I am. I'm selfish and self-centered. And if I don't feel good, neither will you, you know what I mean? That's, um so I end up getting in a lot of fights, you know. I I, I just to be cool, just for my ego. Everybody's got to see how tough the homeless uh broken down ain't got 4 dollars in his pocket guy can actually be, you know what I mean? I'm will call me Billy if you want. <laughs> but, you know, I end up hurting a guy one night over a 50 dollars game of pool. Over ego, over pride, over ignorance. I ended up uh got in a fight outside of a bar or a fifty dollar game pool. The guy got hurt, I took off running. The guy got lifelined, I guess. Um he's okay, by the way. He he he's he's fine now. But uh, you know, and I, I took off running. And that was the point where I realized, you know, I gotta I gotta change something, man. I, I just about hurt somebody. Then I'm hearing all these rumors that he's lifelined in Indianapolis and he's probably gonna die, and I'm just like, What? What? What did I do? You know what I mean? What did I do? So that's when I started thinking. I spent a couple more, uh, maybe a week out there, and I was on Suboxone really bad. I was drinking really bad. Uh, Got bit by a dog, and it was all infected, you know. I I mean, I was everything you can imagine. uh, Me being, I don't know how to put that, but uh, that was me. So. I decided to make a phone call. I said, "Man, I got to get. I got to get back in the round of rooms. I got to get back around recovery, man. This, this is not working out. Uh, I, you know, I'm probably gonna go to prison, you know. So fear, fear got me. I think thinking, you know, to be honest about it, fear, which fear is number one for me, man. Uh, fear, fear got me drinking when I was early, when I was a little kid, and fear kept me drinking. So fear also got me." Drinking. What were you afraid
1: of? You at that like moment? A guy.
2: Yeah, what were you afraid of? Well, i afraid I killed that guy. You know, I was afraid that guy, I was, I was afraid of, of doing the rest of my life in prison or 20 years or 40 years or something. That was, that was what I, I think, you know, and this is not something I thought about at the time, I don't think. This was all at a subconscious level. And in hindsight, I see that fear probably got me to the point where I was like, okay, I need to do something. I need to change something. And so I called up somebody and I said, man, you got, and I had no resources and I need everybody to know this. I had no resources. There's no detox. There's no treatment centers in Terre Haute to speak of. There's a mental health provider, which does very well, but that's it in Terre Haute. Um, So I only knew one way to do it. And I went to the hospital and I went in there and I convinced the nurses that I was, uh, if they didn't take me, I was going to kill myself. And I wasn't lying. I was at that point where I was scared of going the rest of my life in prison. I was scared that I was going to be homeless any longer. I was completely sick. I had drank more whiskey on that um, at seven months than I had drank my whole life, and I had drank for 20 years prior to that. But I was waking up, and this is no BS, I was waking up every morning, and I would not, I refused to try to stand up out of bed without a bottle. I refused. Thank God I dated bartenders and they bring bottles home. <laughs> Anywho. So there I was, I went to the hospital and I told them I convinced them I was suicidal. They let, took me back into the mental health provider where they, they, where I told them, look, man, I'm suicidal because I'm, I'm going to be dope sick. I'm going to be, you know, I'm going through uh, alcohol withdrawals. It's bad. And they detoxed me for five to seven days. I'm not sure what they have me patches all over me and, and, and Ativan's where I could just eat all the Atavans I wanted. And, and they had me on nicotine patches, which I think led to my delusions while I was withdrawing. <laughs> uh, they made me journal every day. And I didn't realize I was really delusional until I read the journals about a year later. And I was like, holy crap. <laughs> it was bad.
1: So, the Marty, real quick, what were you afraid of when you were a kid? What, when you were young,
2: Like, what frightened you? i i was um i had low self esteem i uh was insecure i grew up uh, I, I grew up in a house that was full of partying you know my parents partied, they they uh you know so basically i could do whatever i wanted you know what i mean i i was uh you know i, I was kind of you know like all the kids had the nike or that the Reebok pumps, and I, I could never get a pair. You know, we we would have. I would come home from school, and there'd be boxes of food on the porch. You know, I was embarrassed. Um, I grew up in a home that you know that I would be woke up at two or three, four o'clock in the morning all the time. You know, and I'd have to wake up and, and step over people sleeping on the floors. You know, bikers and 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 craziness. You know, drugs all around, bottles all around. So I grew up insecure. I grew up with no, you know, uh, no. No sense of, of worth. No attention. I had no attention from my parents. Absolutely, um, you know, if it was, it was. You know, we could do whatever we wanted. So at the age of ten, I had a babysitter, who was probably sixteen years old, you know, uh, and she took me to a party, which is crazy. I, I can't believe I even had a babysitter at ten, but I did. I had a babysitter, and she took me to a party, and and it became the cool thing to do that night to get the ten year old drunk and uh, to act a fool and. Now I, I say this, man. I don't remember what I was drinking. I don't remember what it tasted like. But what I remember is who it made me become. It made me. I had no fears. I had no insecurities. I had no problems with who I, you know, who I was. I suddenly, couple of drinks, suddenly felt comfortable in my own skin I knew who I was and I knew I was making everyone at that party laugh and they all loved me and I would chase that I literally chased that for the next 25 years of my life that's what I seeked I didn't seek the alcohol because truth be told at 10 alcohol doesn't taste good okay <laughs> especially something out of a clear bottle and that's what I remember it being something out of a clear bottle. Oh, yeah. uh, yeah, so that's what I did, man. I, I, I woke up the next morning saying, man, you know, my parents were laughing at me. Oh, you're going to be hungover, because they knew about it. They didn't care. I, you know, And I woke up the next morning saying, I want to do that. That's what I want to be for the rest of my life right there. I want to be that guy. I want to be that guy that that alcohol made me become. You know, my son's 11. I can't imagine. My son just turned 11 this month, and I can't imagine him drinking you know him. It's so little. You know what I mean. I, I can't imagine. But it, in my home, it was okay. I guess. So back to where I was. <laughs> where was I? <laughs> um. Oh yeah. So I, I, I realized after being in the hospital, man. Um. I realized that I need. So I I left I left the detox, which wasn't a detox, but I left the detox and went to sober living. I was at sober living. For approximately two weeks, and when I was in actual, I was in a, a meeting. I was actually in a meeting where there's about 35 people in this meeting, and four cops rolled through the door with their vest on, and they stopped the meeting and they said, uh, is, a, "Is a Thomas Norman?" And everybody, everybody puts their head down. It's like, no. And I'm like, oh god. They get on the radio and they say tattoos on his neck, sleeves out, and I was like. That's me. <laughs> I'm right here, man, and they cuff me, and they take me. Yeah, I'm like, hey, I can't really, I can't really hide. <laughs> I got a face tattoo, for God's sakes. You know what I mean? <laughs> You're
0: not hard to find, bro. Yeah, I know. I stay there. <laughs> but, uh,
2: you know, I, I ended up going away. They took me, and they arrested me, and I, I served uh, like 11 months in the county jail. And uh, it was that moment. To answer your question, it was that moment when I looked around the rooms, and here I am, 33, 35, I don't know how old I was, 35 years old, and I had been coming to that jail since it opened 20 years prior, or a little over 20 years prior. And I had been in that same room, in that same drunk tank, in that same cell block that I had been coming for 20-some years. And I looked around the room, and there's all these 19, 18, 19, 20, two-year-olds in there and they're all slap rapping about what they got on the streets and this this and that and all the bullshit that they're talking and they're asking me for hey man you got a soup can i get a soup i sell all this drugs on the street but you got a soup i can get off of you can i get a phone card anyway <laughs> anyway but anyway i i'm listening to this and i'm thinking to myself god these kids are so uh that was me that was me man and this so that's when I decided, man, it was pretty clear. I was like, I'm going to grab this literature. I'm going to get this book, that book, that workbook, that blue book right there with the 164 pages, and I'm going to grab all those books, and I'm going to go to my cell, and I'm going to study, and I'm going to research, and I'm going to do all these self-help books. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to not read any fiction books. I'm not reading any Stephen King books this time. Sorry, Stephen King, but no, I'm trying to do something for me. I'm, I, so I took that 11 months, and I really did some self-examination. I really did some studying on the – on the literature and and self-help books and spiritual books and just anything that I can gain knowledge off of instead of wasting my time in that cell block slap rapping about dumb shit on the TV football games uh, playing cards playing 10,000 or just talking about the shit that I have and all that blah 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 and talking on the phone no I studied I took some self time and that was the moment And I've been going ever since, by the way. You know, I got out, got me a sponsor to start rocking this. That was the moment, though.
1: I love it. So you've dedicated, I mean, I I, I guess it's safe to say you've dedicated your life to changing other people's lives and and helping them heal or just recover, to break away from the addiction. You've, You've thrown so much of your heart and soul into this. How do you maintain the strength? For your to to manage your own sobriety, to work your own program, like how where do you find that? Because you're giving so much of yourself to others,
2: how are you protecting yourself? Mm-hmm. Good question, man. It's an amazing question. I'm glad you asked it because it's a, it's something that a lot of people in the field fail to do. Is that self care? Is that is we we forget? Some of us forget that, and I said this earlier about using. Our job—if we get a job in the recovery field, or we start managing a sober living home, or, or uh, just whatever—we become a tech, we become a counselor, we become uh, an outreach coordinator. Whatever it is, we we use that. Some of us do. We we forget that our recovery is to come first. My recovery comes before everything else on this planet. To this day, I still maintain that by keeping. A sponsor, I have a sponsee. I try to keep a sponsee at all times, so I can work with others, work through them steps constantly. Every night, I do a ten and eleven step in my when I lay down at night, and I figure out what I did wrong that day and who I need to make amends to, or if where where could I improve at, where where did I go wrong, and I keep my brothers who are working a program. I, I surround myself with individuals who are more out of their life, who want to become their greatest version or are, you know, if I'm the smartest person in the room, I'm in the wrong damn room. You hear me? Okay. So I need to, I need to seek. They say, they say that you can tell your future by the, by your five friends, your five closest friends. And I believe that thoroughly and in my heart, you want to I tell this a lot to these people in these recovery homes. And they're just getting in here. And they're coming to tables and they got all these problems and they're talking about this and that. And I say, man, you know, you know, outside this year, I see you out there with uh, hanging out with active users and hanging out with people in drama and hanging out with people who are steady going to court and jail and and getting arrested and doing all these things. What do you expect to get out of life when that's the people you hang out with? Change your friends, man. You want to you want to win in life? Hang out with winners. You know what I mean? It's 100 percent true right there. Show me your five friends, and I'll show you your future. I promise you. I promise you. I love it, man. But, I, yeah, that's what I – I mean, seriously, that's what I do. I surround myself with people who are striving to be better. I have accountability, brothers. I have a sponsor, and I have a sponsee at all times. Bam. I steady work through these steps, and I still uh, – you know, I'm coming, up on, I'm coming up on four years, man. I still hit three to sometimes four meetings a week, you know?
1: So what is, like, to me, I see such passion and such drive and ambition. Like, it just pops out of the screen every time I watch you. The reason why so many people watch your videos and and go to you to learn and go to you for guidance is because of your passion and energy for other people. But what kind of personal... Like personal, maybe even selfish goals do you have? What ambition, what mountaintop do you see that you want to climb? What is that for you?
2: You know, that's a good question too. I have lots of personal goals. It's it's great that my goals and my, I just want to take over the world. I'm going to take over the world and give it back to the people. That's what I'm going to do. No, no. But honestly, though, I want to continue to um, grow in my, in my recovery. I want to open more recovery homes where they're, you know, where they got every resource available. Uh, bear, you know, they, I, wanna, I want these recovery homes to not just be a place. My recovery home is not just a place where you come sleep and pay your rent and then show up to a couple of meetings. No. You're going to work a program of recovery, and if I don't have the resources as far as group, peer, peer support, specialist, um, uh, every type of recovery, I want to offer that to you. I want to get you into a program to where you can go get insurance if you don't have it, if you can go get your driver's license, you can go to this route, you can go to smart recovery, you can go to uh, behavioral therapy, you can go to counselors, therapists, I want to offer resources in recovery homes and have it for a person can have a continuum of care. So where they can be actually begin a real life in, in, in life itself. They could start here with completely broken, desolate, coming out of a hospital, coming off the streets, coming out of prison, coming out of jail, and completely change their self around in a matter of four to six months. Okay? Never, to where you never leave. And they don't have to leave, right? We got some guys here that's graduated and are still here because they're rocking it. You know what I mean? And they the want job. more. You know? we got to open resources for jobs. And, and we've got some guys here right now that are getting ready to start cool. Brian Kendrick is on the dean's list, by the way, at, at college. And this guy, 13, 14 months ago, was homeless in the streets living under the L train in Chicago, Illinois. Okay, today is on the dean's list. All right, at college, he's working in the field at a mental, the mental health provider at a dual diagnosis house as a tech. He is just exceptional, and that's what we, I, me and Brian, this house, the Truman House, wants to provide and give that resource so everybody can become the greatest version. And I want to open more and more and more of them, and I want to be, I want, I want the. the structure to be there and i want the resources to be there and i want the peer support to be there um i do plan on opening i want to be ultimately i want to be an owner of a treatment center and i want to open more treatment centers and branch out i want to have iops and this is my life i live breathe i bleed this shit man every day and i'm not bragging guys i'm not doing any of this i'm just saying if i can do it i was homeless four years ago if i can do it you can do it. If you decide that you want it as bad as you want to breathe, you can do anything you want. And that's 100% fact. I was completely at the lowest, and I am I'm – I'm not trying to sound I'm – I'm very humble, and I try to remain teachable every day. So I'm not trying to brag. I'm trying to say, look at this. Look what I have done, and look what I'm doing, and you can do it. Look what I'm going to – watch me. Watch me. Look what I'm going to do, you know? It's just the beginning, just the tip of the iceberg, and I'm doing it to show you guys. I gave up my anonymity to show you guys that it is possible, that you do have resources. If you want to get into a detox or a treatment center, I have every resource across the country. I can help you or I can help you get in contact with the right people. I work for one of the most amazing facilities in the country, you know. So if you need help, I'm telling you this right now, I will post my my personal cell phone is out there all over my Facebook. Go to Marty Norman, go to at Marty Norman live. Check me out, like and friend and follow it, man. And get out there, man, because social media is my platform where I reach the masses. Silence is killing people. Fear is killing people. Their fear of stigma, the fear of uh, what's my job going to think? What's my wife going to think? What's my husband going to think? What's my kids going to think? What are they going to think if you die? What are they going to think if you get arrested and lose your job, lose your house, lose your family, lose all these things? What are they going to think then? Well, I'm offering you resources. Reach out to me. My number is at Marty Norman live. It's on my page. It's there. I want to make that very clear to people because I was scared. I was out there for 20 some years in the madness, the chaos. And it is chaos, believe me. You know, I'm out there, when I became comfortable and sharing needles with guys in alleys and breaking and and sleeping in alleys and sleeping on couches and and being a violent person and lying, robbing, cheating, stealing, when that's comfort for me, there's something wrong and there's help out here. And I did that for 20 some years because I didn't know there was another life. I didn't know there was resources and somebody like myself who would reach out and say, look, man, you want help? Come on. I'll help you out if you're willing to go through the process. So come on. No excuses. If you had a microphone, you just dropped it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. That's what we do. Wow. Crap. Okay. Yeah, man. I'm coming Uh, wrong. I'm coming real. I don't play, man. You guys want help? I'm sick of people dying. 64 people, 64,000 people died last year alone to overdoses. That's not count suicides, heart attacks, whatever else is complications. 64,000 people tells me that there's not. There's people are scared. They're silent, and silence is killing. You. I'm out, man, right here. Why isn't everybody talking about? It? We need everybody out here, All right, Brian? We need everybody. It, we to talk, man. We got to open up. We got to communicate, man. The way the, – the word of mouth shit, you know, and the anonymity, I get it, man. I love it, man. I respect your anonymity. I will. I promise. But mine, I'm out here, man. I'm out here for you guys, man. So you're an outside issue. I'm an outside
1: issue. Dude, that you're, you're fantastic. So <laughs> here's the deal, man. So I'm going to give you a draft, Marty. I'm going to give you a draft. But you cannot sell it, and you cannot give it away. What are you going to do with the draft?
2: I think I'm going to take it to the local park. I'm going to promote draft petting for the kids, and I'm going to put a big recovery sign on it. And say, pet the giraffe for recovery, and I'm going to promote it all over social media, and I'm going to make it something to can where. We, ride the giraffe? Yeah, well, we can ride the giraffe. The kids are going to ride the giraffe, of course. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, whatever it takes, right?
1: Uh, that's perfect. That's such an appropriate answer, man. Um, all right, my man. So, do you have any last words for the audience? You are just amazing. Thank you so much for your time today. What do you have?
2: I love you, brother. If I, if I get anything across today, man, is that a low-bottom junk, a, a homeless junkie like myself. And I don't say that to, to promote stigma. I'm just saying that's who I want. Today, I'm a man in long-term recovery. I, wor- I work at 12 steps absence-based program. I don't no care what kind of program or recovery you decide you need to do, but I want you, everybody out there, to know that there is help out here message me call me it's on my it's on at Marty, Norm, Marty Norman live okay nice. um, also we'll be doing uh, a few of my brothers James Sweezy Andrew Hager Blake Evan uh, Dolan um, all these guys we're doing recovery radio live and me and Brian Kendrick and the Truman house will have a spot on there as soon as we get the studio built in my garage um that's where we go, man. That's where people can go and find answers. They can call in with, you know, whatever they, what kind of questions they have and just hear about some real solutions instead of talking bitching about problems all the time. You know, of course, we have fun. We cut it up, man. We, we are documenting the journey out here. You know what I mean? We do that so people can see. Reach out. Look up, as Brian Kendrick says. Look up. Reach out, man, and get some help. At MartyNormanLive.com. My phone number is 765-365-4924. Call me. We'll get, you, we'll get you in contact with the right people.
1: And I'll make sure I plug your stuff in the notes, too. And it's very, very important, my man, that you connect with John Wallace, who's in the comments. You two together, seriously, and Brian and your crew and his people, it's, it would be one of the most powerful combinations I've ever seen in the world of recovery. So you guys have to connect. John Wallace. John Wallace. He's the man. He's out here. I can't see the
2: the comments, you
1: know. Okay. Well, I'll show here. He's right here. Okay. Gotcha.
2: Gotcha. Gotcha. All right.
1: Hey. God bless you, bro. Thank you for all that you're doing. You're saving lives. You're changing lives. You're inspiring people. You inspire me. Thank you so much for being a friend and being on the show today. God bless you,
2: man. Thank you, man. I appreciate you having me. I'll do it anytime. And to everybody out there, man, I'm just grateful y'all showed up, man. Have a good day.
1: Hey, man, I'll see you soon. I'll see you soon, brother. Stay grateful!
0: (laughs) For garden color from the ground up, start with the ground. Vigoro colored bark mulch from the Home Depot. Now three bags for just nine bucks. It protects your plants beautifully and maintains its color for up to 12 months in shades of red, brown, or black that really set off your garden. Not to mention your spring. Bring on spring color with Vigoro Colored Bark Mulch. Three bags, nine bucks. Now at the Home Depot. More saving, more doing. Limit 60 per customer. Color selection varies by store.